0: All we know is this this space is going up. Crypto, Bitcoin, ETH, they are going up and to the right over the long-term time horizon. Bankless Nation, it is the third week of April. David is in Amsterdam, I'm in the US, uh, and we are getting ready to present you with the weekly roll-up. David,
1: how you doing, man? How's Amsterdam going? Dude, Amsterdam is absolutely majestic. Uh, Something that has complete consensus with everyone here is that Amsterdam is a great city. Uh, It's so walkable. It's so pretty. The the weather's beautiful. Uh, Sun is out, but it's cold and crisp. There's canals. I went on a boat ride yesterday. What? Uh, It it was also 420 in Amsterdam yesterday, so uh, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of some people got up to some shenanigans. That's like the 420 (laughs) capital of the world, too, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, Uh uh-huh.
0: That's cool, man. Uh, so, but what were you there for? It was like a crypto conference, right? Dev
1: Connect? Oh, yeah, maybe that's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Dev Connect, yeah. So, this is a, an Ethereum. The EFs uh, basically what they did, really genius model, is they uh, hired or they rented out the uh, convention center in the middle of the city. Uh, and it's now just a co working space. And so, the everyone who signed up can just co work there. So, I've just been hanging out there. Uh, and that's all that they did. On theme with a modular structure, uh, all the EF did was. was was rent out this center space for us to converge upon and then many 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 other entities made other uh, like short-term like day-long panels or day-long talks or day-long events uh, so uh, there's the shelling point from kevin iwaki I was at Obelfest from Colin Myers. Uh, there was also uh, what, what is it, TrustX, X, where I had a. Uh, I was on a panel with uh, some Giga Brains, Danny Ryan, Preston Van Loon, Dank Rad, uh, and so it's just like everyone is appending their own uh, conference, their own day of talks. So it's and kind content. of like
0: an unconference, right, where everyone yeah. sort of mm-hmm. just you know c- creates their own event and, and exactly. brings their piece to the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, w- is this like a mini DevCon then? Would you say? I'd say so,
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's a, it's a something brand new. Um, all of the core Ethereum researchers, like the client researchers, they all got into a room and powwowed, uh, and so like actually made some progress. Uh, and that is actually the big uh, theme, I would say, of this particular uh, event, where like people are busy, like people are getting work done, uh, and so like it's not like the it's not like NFT NYC, or it's not like uh, like Eat Denver, which was more of like a festival. Like we're here, to, building. we're hustling. we're here to build, right? <laughs> and you can actually see that in some of the nightlife where people are going out to parties at like 10 p.m., but then the parties kind of shut down between midnight and and 1 p.m. because people got stuff to do the next day. Builder culture. Badass. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, uh, we'll talk more
0: about that because I want to hear uh, if you got any updates on like Ethereum mm-hmm. research, like yeah. when Merge, David, when can merge, you be the yeah. when Merge guy? Yeah. Uh, but uh, of course, we've I, got will, some... I will
1: tell you what people have been saying about the Merge Tell, tell us towards that's the all end we're of the asking. show. That was, I, I actually met Justin Drake for the first time. And so I got a beer with Justin Drake and uh, he was just like lovely to hang out with. And of course, we talked about the Merge. Um, so more on that at the end of the show.
0: Okay. Merge alpha. We'll we'll see what uh, Drake thinks about the merge. Uh, Of course, we got some other topics of the week because crypto can't stop, won't stop. Sneak peek into the Coinbase NFT platform launch. We have the beta. We have our hands on a copy. I've given it a trial run. I want to hear what you think about it too, David. We'll go through that. Also, North Korea apparently was the attacker of the Ronin sidechain, that massive $600 million-plus exploit. That was actually North Korea. That's what Mm -hmm. the U.S. government is saying. So what does that mean? We're now nation-state-attacked blockchains after Mm -hmm. a fashion? Uh, Also, Arthur Hayes, BitMEX CEO, founder, thinks we're headed for a bear. I think we had to talk about that in the market section. See if he's right. See what the bear case is for crypto right now. Uh, Andre Cronier. Also, he's a DeFi developer. Of course, he had some spicy takes this week, David, about regulation in DeFi. It seems to be the anti-Andre move, and he wants to incorporate some regulation in DeFi. So we're going to weigh in on that. And there
1: were also some spicy takes about his spicy takes. A lot of people <laughs> called called some BS on Andre Cronier's take uh, uh, article. Very short article, so that was uh, very hot in the Twitter sphere this week. Let's start with the Bitcoin charts as we get to markets. What what's Bitcoin looking like? We are certainly not discounted this week, Ryan. We started the week at $39,700, just below that $40,000 number, which we do not want to be below at, and we are currently above that number at $42,640, up about 7% on the week. Amazing. Look, man, uh, last week I said I was bullish. I didn't exactly know
0: why, (laughs) other than like a gut feeling. Are you claiming
1: victory, Ryan? (laughs) I'm not. Look,
0: man. Yeah, I'm claiming victory. I was right. From last week to this week. I will never claim uh, when I'm wrong. But when I'm right, I'm happy to claim that, David, on short-term right. price action. But seriously, guys, don't listen to me on anything short-term price related. All we know is this, this space is going up. Crypto, Bitcoin, ETH, they are going up and to the right over the long-term time horizon. Speaking my
1: caveat, of up and to the right, Ryan... Ether started last week at three thousand dollars. It hit a low of twenty nine hundred dollars. We do not like that twenty nine hundred number. We want to be above that three thousand number, of which we are currently clocking in at three thousand one hundred and fifty dollars. Overall, up four point five percent on the week. So Bitcoin takes a week for this week. Is Bitcoin yeah, win this it, week? look Bitcoin
0: outperformed ETH this week. It hasn't done mm-hmm. that for a while, and that reflects yeah. in the ETH Bitcoin ratio. That's
1: gotta be down this week. Yeah, down about a percent and a half down to point zero seven four um down a little bit down a little bit what are we?
0: Are people getting bitcoin bullish uh off of bitcoin miami do you think or uh, why do you think why do you think this happened nah, we just yeah, can't well, read too much into the, this data
1: yeah one part noise let's not read into it too much but also one part if we are bullish like it is traditional to let bitcoin go first <laughs> as, is, as is tradition after you
0: after, after you, you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a look at the
0: total uh crypto market cap and can compare bitcoin and ETH mm-hmm. to that so looks like we are up on the
1: week for total crypto market cap but not by a ton what's that up on uh, the oh, week up five up percent brother yeah 1.96 trillion last week to 2.07 trillion this week but bitcoin outperformed total oh, Bitcoin outperformed market, yeah which, which it hasn't d- done that in old a old man bitcoin yeah <laughs> but outperformed the, the the market by like three percent and ether underperformed the market by 0.5 percent Oh, I'm proud of you, Bitcoin. Well done. That's
0: yeah, right. Nice uh, we'll we'll nice see. Job. We'll track it next week. I, I make no more predictions. I'm just, uh, you know, but one thing to watch, I think, in the backdrop mm-hmm. of this crab market, whether are we in bull territory, are we in bear territory, we're kind of somewhere in between, is the DXY, which mm-hmm. is the dollar index, and the dollar's been breaking out, man. Right. So this mm-hmm. is kind of weird. It's like w- when when we say breaking out, it's appreciating right. relative to other fiat. Uh, coins, cryptocurrency, dollar coins. strength. <laughs> yes, dollar strength relative to other fiat, not not relative to, to crypto, of course. A- and it's up. Like, look at this okay. chart, man. It's up to like above any level since uh, mm-hmm. since COVID. And people are like wondering, maybe why does the dollar go up when we are uh, being faced with eight and a half percent inflation? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the dollar went up in value in the early days of of COVID if you recall, and I think the reason for this largely is the dollar is still a flight to safety asset and people are uncertain they don't know what the fed is going to do they don't know how that's going to affect other asset classes and so what do they do temporarily they retreat into the dollar for a while wait for other assets to fall and then redeploy their dollars into those assets it's kind of like what you know traders do sometimes you and i might do this for rebalancing we might um, rebalance back into stable coins mm-hmm. out of crypto for a period of time wait things out and then buy lower what are your thoughts on this
1: well, OK, so the general correlation is that as the D- DXY, as they, the Dixie, they call it, goes up, crypto is correlated, inversely correlated. So crypto goes down. Crypto didn't go down too much. I mean, it's gone down since like January or so as the DXY has gone not up. Not like with COVID. The other time the dollar was like on a COVID, tear, like right. crypto died. Yes. Tanked. Yeah what i'm saying ryan and maybe i'm just spinning it to talk my own books but when i see the dollar going up i just see more for it to fall so <laughs> <laughs> david not bullish on the dollar
0: long run um no, no you know, but th- this is kind of the the big question arthur hayes the ceo of, of bitmex who is um you know big crypto trader obviously monitors these things from a macro perspective he made the case that a crypto correction is incoming this is a uh, he, said crash,
1: ryan. It, he said crash yeah. ryan he said crash in his article did he I'm yeah. going to say, I'm going to go search the word crash. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was it's a crash. Well, no, he time. said that. Nope. Yeah, crypto, crypto crash helmet. Crash helmet, yeah. Put
0: it on <laughs> your crypto crash helmet. Okay. Oof. <laughs> Colorful language. Uh, love Arthur, uh, you know, in, in his predictions. And ba- basically his rationale was crypto is correlated with tech stocks. He gives mm-hmm. all these examples of of how crypto right. is correlated with tech stops, stocks, right. lots of charts. Tech stops, stocks are going down. Right? It's like, do you see Netflix this week, by the way? Oof, big oof. He lost yeah. $50 billion, right? Yeah. Netflix subscriptions are down. So tech stocks going down mm-hmm. as a result of the Fed policy tightening. And so what does that mean? Yeah, Arthur's just putting one and one together and he's just like, well, that equals crypto is also going down. Crypto is also classified as a risk on asset, just like tech mm-hmm. stocks. So if tech stocks are going down, of course, crypto has to follow it. And uh, put on your crypto crash helmet is what he's saying here, that's the bear case.
1: Yeah, it also got way more nuanced than that, though. He also talks about the Central Bank of Japan and the Japanese equities market as like a canary in the coal mine as well. Um, some really big brain finance economy stuff that I'm not capable of reiterating. So if you want to learn more, uh, just read the article that's in the show notes. But the summary, TLDR, is that he will he believes that Bitcoin and Ether are crashing to the low, low prices Of thirty thousand dollars Bitcoin and twenty five hundred dollars Ether, which Ryan like, (laughs) we I'm kind of confused as to why he's not worried about that. Yeah, that's like a crash helmet, man. We saw that we saw that this year, right? Yeah, and like, yeah, like that's fine. Like, I don't say those need a helmet again. for that. That's just like, yeah. okay, you I, need a bid I, for that. <laughs> yeah. Did you say a bib?
0: A bid. <laughs> oh, okay. Bid. <laughs> oh, I think like a bib, like you're drilling or something. I don't know, but okay. So big I could say that
1: too. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, yeah. So I don't know. You know, the interesting, um, I guess, opposite case is coming out on Monday's podcast with mm. Dan Moorhead. So Dan Moorhead does not think that crypto will remain correlated with tech stocks. And if you want to hear why, listen to him. He is the CIO, um, co-founder of Pantera Capital and a lot of good macro takes here. So you can see the bear case put out by Arthur and kind of the bull case. But even Arthur is not very bearish
1: when you like, yeah. boil it down to pricing. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that's just a bad week, perhaps a really bad week. But that's not that's not like blood in the streets level. Um, no way. That's well, not yeah. crash helmet level, for yeah. sure. Uh, Just put on your bibs, guys. That's all you need. Um, optimism. Oh, this, is, this is fun. Yeah. Okay. So this is the talk of the town right now at, at DevConnect. Everyone is talking about optimism. Uh, and we've got... Six indications that Optimism is interested in a token, uh, and so this is the first interested one. Interested in or imminently deploying a token? Yeah, perhaps more of the latter, Ryan. Okay. Uh, and okay. so there, there, there's there some breadcrumbs being trailed, perhaps, and and everyone at DevConnect is like, oh yeah, those 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 are big breadcrumbs. So here's the first one. Uh, on April 19th, a few days ago, Optimism tweets out Optimism's story thus far. By the numbers, saved $1.1 billion in gas fees for its users, onboarded 300,000 unique Ethereum addresses, secured $900 million in value, and facilitated $17.4 billion of transaction volume, and also generated two. 24.5 24.5 million dollars in revenue. That operating. revenue is impressive. That's a great revenue yeah. number. Yeah, uh, 24.5 million dollars from the, the sequencing of the transactions. These are how roll ups make their money. And then they finish this off with a new chapter is near. Let's huh. take a minute to reflect on the path thus far. A new chapter is near. So Ryan, they're talking a lot about financial. New chapters chapters? Like money numbers. And then they say a new chapter is near. What could okay. a new chapter That's, be? That- that's clue number one, but you clue said you one. had six. Six. Uh, yes. What's this? <laughs> what am I looking at? These, uh. <laughs> This like is uh, this is the uh, red ice? dot. There's a, this is a red dot emoji. There's like some dot emojis with the underscore with a red dot emoji, and this is generally a, a, a meme that many communities have. Uh, and this is now what Optimism tweeted out as like, okay, here's here's our community, but all the other communities, Ryan, have tokens that do this. Optimism would be mm. the first community to do this that doesn't have a token hmm mm. that's kind of playful mm. okay clue yeah, number very two very playful they're, very community generation something. wait Ob- this what is this i have no clue what this is but like <laughs> everyone is like uh, the optimism team their, their sense of humor is very indie and uh, and kind of uh surreal i would say um yeah. and, uh, absurdist humor i would say and so for the listeners this is a cat with its paw on a bunch of watermelon but the watermelon are all red plush and they're toys? titled o- ops are they plush toys yeah maybe they're plush toys um they look like watermelon uh but like they're all circles, right? They're all like token-ish. Huh. Uh, and so with OP written on them, and like it's just kind of absurdist humor, but like everyone's like, I don't know how or why this makes me think that there's a token, but it does. Clue number three. All right, what's number four? Uh, Okay, this one's a little bit more explicit, Ryan. (laughs) It's (laughs) kind of blatant. Coinbase gets in the territory of a leak. Yeah, Coinbase shows price page for optimism, suggesting a token could be on the way. This might have been an accident by Coinbase, but they added Mm. a token page under the title of optimism. Uh, And so this is all happening all at the same time. Thank you, internet (laughs) sleuths, for uncovering that. So is that number four? What, what, that's what's number four. The, that's number four. And number five is that I'm at DevConnect and everyone is talking about it. Uh, and so that's the other <laughs> thing. That's the You're other thing. You're
0: talking explicitly about a token
1: everyone's talking about oh yeah have you seen the the hints that optimism is leaving on the table uh okay. i was listening to a panel where all the a layer twos were uh talking about layer two stuff uh hosted by anthony cesano saw my best friend he saw he was great gave him a big hug and then he hosted a panel and i watched that uh and of course his final token his final question is when token as a meme like when token <laughs> ha, ha, ha! you don't have to answer that but then ben jones from from optimism immediately grabs the mic and he goes all information about this will uh, is viewable on our public website. Uh, there's, there's no information <laughs> on there, but like, yeah, you know, the exuberance of grabbing the mic to say that I thought was interesting. So that's number five, okay. Ryan. And number Look, six, are we, ready, are we ready for number six? Or you want, you want to say I, it you me? know, I'm ready, but I,
0: I just want to interject one thing. So like, optimism releasing a token to me, kind of kicks off layer two summer layer two 22 that we've been saying right the big thing they've got the traction they've got Mm -hmm. the 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 value they're generating the revenue the next thing layer twos need is a token to accelerate all of this Mm -hmm. so with that what is the
1: sixth clue the sixth clue ryan is just we're just going to straight up ask them on the state of the nation on tuesday (laughs) they're coming on tuesday because that is when they are scheduled for so Optimism's coming on the state of the nation on tuesday and we are just going to ask them what their plans are with the token
0: well, uh, hopefully you were a user of Optimism in the past. You probably mm-hmm. saw them in our airdrop guide that we published on Bankless back in October. Uh, and um, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. We'll see if this is imminent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be very interesting if they were one of the first major Layer Twos besides like Polygon and that sort of thing mm-hmm. to release a token. I think that's mm-hmm. a great news for retail who previously hasn't had exposure to to many Layer Two options, investing options. And there is
1: a, a spicy take that in addition to, we'll talk about this later in the take section, but uh, in addition to L222 coming, uh, L222, Ryan, is going to be spicy. You know how, how spicy the Alt Layer 1 wars were? Yeah. Layer <laughs> 2 wars like, are going to be the we, same thing, brother.
0: You're talking about like Layer 2s against Layer 2s? Yep. yep. Uh, why do the kids have to fight, David? Kids are going to have to fight, Ryan. <laughs> Come on. I don't know. Like,
1: I'm, just we're all on Team Ethereum, are we not? Yeah, this is true. We're, we're all on Team Ethereum, but you know you got to compete for the users. There's only so many users and so much TVL to go around.
0: Well, I want to talk to you more about that later, but uh, let's let's keep moving for now. Cool. So, uh, in other news, UST—that's the Terra stablecoin—just became crypto's third largest. So they just overtaken Binance USD. So I, it's probably just Tether and mm-hmm. uh, USDC leading, and then mm-hmm. and then UST. Now Algo stablecoin enters number third. What do you think about this?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, you gotta gotta do the tip of the hat to the growth strategy of Terra. Uh, they s- scalable blockchain, scalable uh, s- uh, stablecoin. Um, when you add those two scalable things together, like you get a bunch of scale. Uh, and so, tip of the hat to UST to becoming to- uh, stablecoin number three. Don't screw it up, guys. Please. Don't screw it up, We're, We're please. Don't screw guys. it up.
0: Uh, share of the NFT market. This is fantastic from Andrew Steinwald, who is a, um, an NFT investor, saw this a long time coming. In fact, predicted NFT season long before on a bankless podcast long before it came anyway put together a fantastic report through his, through his crypto fund, his NFT fund on total sales volume of NFTs. And it's divided into four categories, art, collectibles, gaming, and the metaverse as a percentage mm-hmm. of dollars. And what's interesting about this chart, David, is you could see kind of the squiggly lines, how mm-hmm. um, the, the different categories ebb and flow. So mm-hmm. we had a massive sort of art season at first, and these would be probably one of ones. Uh, in you know 2020, 2022, and that has kind of tamed down as a percentage of market. And what's really got to be art block
1: season, right? Like that's yeah, uh, that's got to be art block of that. season. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. we
0: got collectible as a big category and metaverse. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's interesting to track these different categories of NFTs over time because even within the NFT sector, some categories of NFTs can be bullish and others can be kind of bearish, and new ones are emerging all of the time. Uh, some other broad metrics. Uh, I think are pretty useful for you guys if you want a, a chart of what the NFT market share looks like. But click on the second graph. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Click on that this. one.
0: I'll, I'll just blow this up here.
1: Oh, okay. Doesn't doesn't Actually, do I it. Can't. Yeah. just go. Go. Look at go. look at that man. So from it started really everything NFT related started kicking off. It looks like in June of twenty twenty one. In that like total sales volume, the volume of NFT sales has just had a very strong floor ever since then. Like huge spike in like August of 2021, but ever since then, like NFT volume, it looks like it's here to stay forever.
0: Here it is. Uh, we're at uh, almost 10 billion
1: yeah. in mm-hmm.
0: total NFT sales volume from the beginning of this year. That's just the beginning of this year. So there's hope, uh, there's hope for your
1: underwater NFT guys. Like <sighs> there's still volume out there. Thank you.
0: you. You tell me turtles are still gonna be a thing, David. Turtles might still be a thing. <laughs> Uh, you know david we're going to talk about some more things that could be bullish for the nft sector in particular coinbase they just released their nft platform but before we do we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible hey guys we are back with the releases of the week have to start with the hottest release of the week which is the coinbase nft platform just rolled out into beta all right so uh only for a subset of users this is the coinbase blog gm coinbase nft is now in beta david i know you've been super busy this week have you had a chance to take a look at this or absolutely you, not You're do you have an have invite phone. though so did someone I do have an de- invite yeah coinbase
1: okay. the coinbase NFT platform invited me but i was like ah, i don't have time for this
0: yeah i saw uh they dm me from the coinbase and they said here's an invite code and i was like what is this a scam and it mm-hmm. looks like it's legit from coinbase <laughs> and uh turns out i glad yeah, you checked click. <laughs> yeah um I have an invite to the beta platform. This is kind of what it looks like. So, if you guys are viewing this on YouTube, you can sort of see. And what was interesting about this, and this is from our conversation with uh, Brian Armstrong, is how social networky mm. it actually is. Right. So, right. look at this. This looks like a timeline you might find on a social ah, network.
1: Neat. See this timeline? Neat. Accounts to follow. Which makes sense Uh, because the NFT ecosystem moves forward in time very, very quickly, right? Like the fads move very quickly. So it makes sense for a timeline structure to to be that way.
0: Well, it has an account. Like you can go follow Brian Armstrong. Brian Armstrong, Um, the the
1: new Tom of the Coinbase NFT platform.
0: Who is he following? He's not following me yet. Brian Armstrong, please follow. Uh, But he's got a thousand (laughs) followers, right? And you can Mm -hmm. see what's in his wallet. Um I could actually like see everything in my wallet. I'm not logged in at the moment, but and then of course there's the OpenSea shop capability, right? So you can actually start to buy some of these things. Um I don't know, man. Look, Mark Zuckerberg talking about the metaverse, right? Last week we talked about his plan was to do a 50% commission on any NFT sale. Do you think he sees this and is like oh, shit in his pants right now? You think he's concerned? <sighs> God, if that fifty percent
1: tax is real, then he has to like. It's completely unjustifiable. Uh, Anyways, yes, 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 is your answer to that?
0: Yeah, it's just uh, look, Coinbase is is becoming more of a social media type brand with this play and well i i like it personally i Mm. like it i think there's a lot of potential here it's fairly simple right now but i'm excited to see it uh expand so this is in beta now it'll go generally available i'm sure in the kind of the weeks to come of course coinbase is attending the commission uh, permissionless conference and their vps over this are gonna talk more about it so if you're attending that you can you can get the scoop but Mm. also it did something to uh zero x token price david what's that about
1: yeah, so 0x, the 0x network is a relaying network for messages about trades. Uh, and so they said the uh, Coinbase NFT platform platform announced that they are using the 0x network to facilitate trades. Uh, and as a result, the 0x token is up 30%. So congratulations to the 0x uh, network, the 0x DAO and 0x token holders. Um, That's they, cool. They, they claim the very strong gas efficiency, efficiency and also cross-chain messaging for cross-chain sales which I think is, I, I don't know how that would work because you can't like buy an Ethereum NFT on Solana, but maybe you can pay for an Ethereum NFT and get your Ethereum NFT using Solana tokens or something like that. Well, yeah, this TB, is just TBD. kind of going
0: multi-chain, like being able to view it. Yeah, but I'm not sure how the trading works, yeah. whether they're bridging from chain to chain, if that's right. what you're talking about. But um, right. right now, the Coinbase marketplace, NFT marketplace is just... Um, Ethereum only, so that's where they're starting. But I'd imagine they'd expand to uh, other chains as well. So pretty cool launch. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Hopefully, this mainstreams more people into the NFT world. Right? There's mm-hmm. like what 40, 40 million or so, yeah. maybe fifty million TBD coinbase users. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So and they had a lot of interest for this too. Uh, another thing that happened this week, I guess, in the releases section is the Ethereum Foundation finally released their financial transparency report. What's the significance of this, David?
1: Yeah, this has been long sought after by the, from the general Ethereum community to, EF, tell us what your bags are. Uh, the <laughs> EF is a nonprofit that got spun up at the very genesis of Ethereum. It had part of that genesis allocation of Ether from the very beginning. And they've been slowly selling that Ether over time to fund stuff, developer salaries, things like DevConnect and DevCon, for example. Um, but there hasn't really been too much uh, transparency into the actual financials of the EF. Uh, and, and largely the First, like two years, three plus years of the EF was very, very chaotic, and so like getting all the ducks in. A it row almost for this, went underwater, like they almost went ran underwater. out of money. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, right. Uh, um, but like things are really shaping up around the EF, and they, they finally re- re- release a report that describes what is actually in the EF treasury, uh, and it's a lot of money, Ryan. Uh, I think it's over a billion dollars, um, and eighty, yeah, one point six one billion dollars in ether. Uh, excuse me, 80% of that is in Ether, uh, which is, if you uh, are curious, that is 0.3% of the total circulating supply of ETH. uh, And also they hold uh, $11 million in other cryptocurrencies, probably Bitcoin because they uh, took the Ether, like Genesis sale, the presale in Bitcoin. So they've probably been holding some of that Bitcoin for a really long time. Uh, And then probably the rest is in dollars as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty cool it's right? So you said it's a lot. $1.6 billion is a lot of money, mm-hmm. 80% in Ether. But think about it from the perspective of total supply. It's tiny. It's, it's so, so tiny. It's so small. It's so 0.3% small. 0.3% of all Ether supply. Compare that to the other centralized bodies that are um, creating clients mm-hmm. on some of the other alternative layer ones that are, like own 10, 15, 20. 10, 15,
1: 20. 20%. Yeah, sometimes way more yeah
0: sometimes way more massive amounts so this is actually a modest relatively modest amount good of course to see that they're holding it in eth i -hmm. imagine they'll stake like you could basically create kind of a perpetual funding for something like the ef if you just take a a large portion say a billion dollars of your eth you stake you generate a four or five percent return and then you kind of fund the protocol for what it needs
1: i wonder if that's what the plan is Long term. Yeah. Instead of having block rewards funding, which is extremely contentious, uh, but also very, very sustainable, like proof of stake yields from a billion dollars that can fund a lot of salaries for a large amount of time. Yeah, and that's a billion dollars at
0: today's ETH price, right? When right. ETH hits 10K, right. when ETH hits 20K, when ETH hits 30K, as it's when going ETH to do. When ETH fulfills
1: its manifest destiny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a lot more. So uh, that's good. And uh, look, they're spending about $48 million per year right now. So they do have a fairly high burn. There's a breakdown of that too. Good to see some additional transparency here. It's, it's bullish. Um, David, another release this week, we're still on the releases, an NFT
1: uh, product from Index Co-op. It's Mm -hmm. called JPEG, J-P-G. What is this? Yeah, it's designed to provide liquid access to the top NFT collections through a single index token. Uh, And so in, in order to be included in this new JPEG index, a token must be a claim on or be collateralized by or provide currency for NFTs. Basically, it's not an index with NFTs inside of them. It's an index with uh, ERC20 tokens that are related to NFTs. So there's fractionalized uh, CryptoPunks, for example. There's the Jenny DAO. There's the SOCKS token for the Unisocks. There's also the Dog currency out of the Doge ecosystem from Pleaser DAO and a few others as as well. Basically, it's a uh, if you are a token that has financialized NFTs in some way, this is an index for that.
0: Cool, I'm excited to see that grow with some other financialized uh, ERC-20 assets as well. Um, also, Volt rolled out this week. This is like a CPI-adjusted stablecoin mm-hmm. designed by um, like the tribe ecosystem, the you know, creators of, of Fay. Uh, to me, when I read this, David, it seems sort of similar to what we were talking about with Sam, which is um, Frax's CPI-adjusted stablecoin, which is basically like inflation is 8.5% per year. You can hold your money in stablecoin dollars, but why not create something new and create some sort of stablecoin that um, doesn't degrade at the rate of inflation, so it keeps up with CPI. So you could hold it in this asset and uh, not get that 8.5% inflation rate. They do that with an on-chain oracle uh, that that measures uh, CPI. What do you think about this?
1: Yeah, I'm actually kind of skeptical about these whole CPI-adjusted stablecoins. I guess they're good for holding, but when you break the peg of the dollar, you... lose the dollar standard, right? And with, with one of the reasons why stable coins have so much liquidity is because they're all interchangeable with each other. DAI, Tether, USD, USDC, and there's a lot of liquidity there. You and use so like you, the unit of account, right? Right, like no breaking one, the no unit one, of account loses yeah. a lot of network effects. Right. Uh, and so like, can this thing be super liquid? Like TBD. I could totally understand, like, if you are interested in just holding your savings in dollars, then this would be a good thing to hold it in. But then, are you going to be able to yield farm with this thing as much as you can with dollars in DeFi? Like, kind of unsure about that one. Uh, and so, uh, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical as to the adoption of this thing. Yeah, it's like
0: a different standard. It. Yeah. One thing I'll say is super cool that crypto can produce something like this because this true. is not available in like mm-hmm. the quote unquote tradfi real world but uh yeah I, I I kind of agree with you like my 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 idea about like you know storing wealth is I'll store some in dollars right but then I want to store everything else in like eth I, I don't right. want this mid in between right. thing that is just protecting me from uh CPI inflation I'd rather just have some state right. some dollars over here and then eth over here that's providing the protection and kind of the the middle uh part of the barbell I just don't mm-hmm. really care too much about but
1: we'll see that's just me I mean, inflation was 8.5% reported, uh, like 10% plus actual. Again, Dan Moorhead podcast is going to be a great one. Uh, And so, like, I guess if you can't yield farm more than that, then it makes sense. Um, But, like, you can yield farm. You can get your yield farm returns pretty high. Um, Yeah. So it's going to be a tug of war here. Yeah,
0: it's cool. Uh, By the way, look, you you mentioned the Dan Moorhead podcast. That's coming up. Mm -hmm. We just released the spring lineup for the Bankless podcast. Let me tell you. Is this a Bankless release? (laughs) This is a Bankless release. We're fitting this in the releases. So uh, read out what's coming. What's coming down the
1: the pipe for Bankless? Dan Moorhead coming on Monday, but followed by Steve Aoki. Steve Aoki, the entrepreneur who's into NFTs, who also throws cake in the face of his fans. Uh, he's coming. We're, we're recording him on Wednesday. Ryan, I bet you didn't know that Steve Aoki is known for throwing cake, cake at people. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. I yeah, He's, he's known for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim O'Shaughnessy. He's coming on the podcast, followed by Raúl Paul. And then Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. Uh, he's coming on. We're going to live stream with him, uh, getting the other half of the chart sh- of the crypto shark tank. Um, and then Ryan, I think uh, this last one's so great. Drum roll. Mark Andreessen and Chris Dixon. Mark Andreessen Ooh. comes back to have comes to the podcast for the first time, the Andreessen of A16C, and then Chris Dixon coming back to co-guest with him as well. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Look, Andreessen doesn't do crypto podcasts. This might right. be his
0: first one. Yep. I'm super excited to talk mm-hmm. to
1: him. They're okay. stacked. There are so few people left for the Bankless podcast. And those people are Elon Musk, <laughs> Ray Dalio, and that's about it. So, so if you can, get, Barack, yeah, when he gets into, he needs to buy his NFT first. So if you can get us access to Ray Dalio, we really want Ray Dalio. He, he needs to come on Bankless. Uh, and also Elon Musk. Elon Musk will come eventually. Um, but Ray Dalio is the, is the one we're really you know looking who's for. He right actually on now. my
0: list, David, is uh, Elizabeth Warren. I want to have a nice yeah. talk with, <laughs>
1: with Elizabeth yeah i bet you do and i bet you do things <laughs> um all
0: right let's go to raises man raises so the sandbox which is a metaverse, metaverse platform yeah. they just geared up for another raise this is a four billion dollar valuation they just raised
1: 400 million dollars crazy what's this next one david framework ventures vance spencer he was our first big episode on the podcast ever the bull case for DeFi. they raised a 400 million dollar fund with a special focus on blockchain and gaming uh, so okay. congratulations to the team over at Framework Ventures. I've met some of your guys uh, here at DevConnect. Yeah, it's a
0: really talented team, super crypto native. Uh, An Indian cryptocurrency exchange called CX just topped a $2 billion valuation, $130 million funding. Interesting to see every one of these nation state geographies have their own sort of set of exchange, uh, players. And, uh, India is certainly one of them. So it's, um, onboarding more Indians to crypto, which is uh, fantastic. What's this next one?
1: Yeah, EPNS, the Ethereum Push uh, Notification System Service, uh, raised $10 million at a valuation of $131 million. This is like push notifications for anything that's happening to your wallets in case, like, I don't know, you get an airdrop, you can get a ping on your phone. Uh, one and million valuation. Congratulations, guys. That's cool. Uh, speaking of Mr. Wonderful, coming on the podcast, mm-hmm. live streaming, he, mm-hmm. Kevin
0: O'Leary, uh, his backed platform called WonderFi just acquired CoinBerry for $38 million. CoinBerry is a Canadian cryptocurrency exchange. That's where Kevin's from, Canada. So it looks mm-hmm. like he's uh, wanting to um, get in on the Canadian market there with, with crypto. Uh, it's pretty cool as well. David, did you have any jobs
1: talk this week at, uh, in Amsterdam? Are, there, are people hiring? <laughs> The the joke was uh, Bartek. Uh, we're, this is going to be also again later in the takes, but Bartek from L2 Beat talked about uh, when he was going through his talk. He's like, "Well, I'm interested in hiring, but everyone in this room is interested in hiring, uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> there's there's nothing new information. Everyone is hiring in crypto, uh, and so if you got the talent, you you can find the jobs.
0: Yeah, and to find the jobs, go to bankless.palette.com/jobs, and you'll be able to find them. Okay, I'm going to read some out. Oh, this
1: this first one though. I'm going to read this one out, Ryan. All right, you Bankless do this. Junior Designer plus After Effects skills. Uh, you might have re- uh, remembered our ultrasound money. There is no floor meme a while ago. A gif, a very long gif. Uh, there was also this football gif. If you are good with After Effects and also have junior design skills and want to be paid to make dank memes, Bankless, <laughs> the company that you are listening to right now, is hiring. Uh, yeah. So special call out for that. We're always in the dank meme market. Uh, mm-hmm. Also. An Ethereum core developer? Well, that's wow. it. That's wow. a really
0: bold uh, job mm-hmm. position from NetherMind. They're an Ethereum client, a Golang engineer for StarkNet client nethermind as well. We're still looking for a newsletter editor. I see David, he's up there, he's dancing. This is great. Uh, content manager at Tally, director of developer relations, a solidity architect at Alua, a marketing manager at Mesha, UX designer, Prometheus Research Labs, Community Manager, DJ and Dogs Club, co-founder for innovative omnichain DeFi Primitive, TBD, blockchain engineers at Masari, Software Engineer at Masari, Operations Manager, Syndica, Senior Product Designer, Smart DeFi, Senior Go Rust Engineer, Syndica Senior, Full Stack Engineer, Syndica. Senior software engineer, AirDrop Labs. And David is now jumping on the bed in his hotel room <laughs> in order to help you get a job in crypto. That's the link this man is going to, to help you get your job in crypto, which is where you need to spend
1: your career. It's, we're only gonna keep hiring. It's just mm-hmm. like this job list is only gonna get longer. Some people have their, uh, their snow dance. When they want snow to happen, they have their snow dance. I have the, <laughs> I want bankless listeners to get a job in crypto <laughs> dance. Join us. Join us.
0: Uh, let's talk about this. News time. Um, one of the big news items of the week was a MetaMask hack exploit. Okay? Bro, bro. And don't, don't, don't freak out. It's not every MetaMask Account, of course, but this is an interesting security hole. So, one MetaMask user just lost $655,000 worth of crypto. A lot of these were NFTs using MetaMask on mobile. What happened? Well, apparently, if you have your settings set up to do this on your iPhone, MetaMask will actually upload MetaMask private keys to the iCloud, Apple's bro, bro. cloud That's as bad. a backup right, to help restore MetaMask if you lose your phone or something, a backup, nice nice friendly backup. Well, this user had his uh, iCloud account compromised, and so some of those private keys were compromised. And uh, so I think this is sort of a a PSA. This is what, like public service announcement, if you are using MetaMask on mobile, if you have an Android, if you have an iPhone in particular, and you are uploading that, your backups, your private keys to iCloud, like don't do that anymore. Turn off that setting. Go check your phone right now. Uh, we'll include a link in the show notes where you can find the exact setting to disable under profile iCloud backups. Just don't back up your private key. Keep your private keys on your phone if you're using MetaMask in the in this setting.
1: Name a worse duo, private keys in the internet. Don't <sighs> private don't keys mix in the clouds. Yeah.
0: Don't put them in the cloud, guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Good private key management. Good reminder. Uh, David, there was another exploit this week. I'm wondering if you'd talk about this. And uh, maybe we should start with the bean price chart because
1: that's where the exploit was, this token called bean it looks like it's up 100%, but it's not. <laughs> it's not actually uh, on the actual front page. It's actually down very, very big. Uh, yeah, so there was a exploit for to the tune of $80 million, 24,830 ETH plus 36 million BEAN token. Uh, all right, what is BEAN? It's a decentralized algorithmic stablecoin. I think it's got uh, reminiscent, it, uh, it was reminded me of Empty Set Dollar a while ago. Uh, when price goes above a dollar, they create more of these tokens to bring the price back down. And then when the price goes down below, they uh, attract new buyers by issuing credit. uh, And, you know, very risky, very experimental. Uh, Seemed to be going well. If you like, yeah, look at that market cap. Uh, Market cap was going up and to the right really, really fast. uh, And then it went to zero uh, because of an exploit. (laughs) Uh, Near zero. uh, Very near zero. Basically to zero. Uh, and so the exploit was pretty interesting, actually. It was a flash loan governance attack that enabled the attacker to drain all of the money in the in the treasury, I guess. Uh, so there is a, a BIP, a, what I can imagine is a Bean Improvement Proposal, 18, was flash loan approved by a hacker. And once that uh, EIP was merged on chain, I think this is how this works, uh, that enabled this exploit to happen. And then... In that same transaction, uh, the attacker approved the governance proposal and then drained the and then drained the treasury yo-inged with all all the flash loan and with yoinked all the funds. Uh, Eighty million so, dollars.
0: I've never um, seen a chart like this, David. Look at this, man. Yeah, this is just falls crazy. off
1: a cliff, right? This
0: is what happens when an Elgo stablecoin gets hacked. Uh, you go from hundred million dollars in market cap all the way down to like five million in yeah. the space of like twenty-four hours, like 97
1: percent loss. Boom. Yeah. All gone. A, f- a five million dollar market cap, Ryan, is essentially zero. Like it it, it's it pretty may much as well zero. be,
0: yeah. yeah. And th- this this hack was interesting. You know what? I think we've been talking a lot about algorithmic stablecoins uh, mm-hmm. recently, and a lot of the concern about them is sort of depegging risk, right? If it's not right. backed, there's a kind of a the run on the bank, and then everyone tries to cash out. There's not enough liquidity, and the price crashes, right? That's definitely one way an algo stablecoin could could die in a in a hurry. But the other way is it just gets hacked. This was an economic right. exploit. So, issues with the smart contract code, essentially, led to some flaws which allowed the flash loan governance attack. And uh, this also kills the algo stablecoin. <laughs> so, a lot of risks when we're talking right. about uh, these types of stablecoins.
1: Yeah, especially when like algo stablecoins are inherently faith-based, right? Anything under collateralized, its remainder, remainder collateralization is therefore faith. And this one had zero collateral. Uh, and so, it was all faith. Uh, And so if once the economic incentives break uh, and then it goes into faith, and if there's not enough faith there to back it up because it just got exploited, it just goes to zero.
0: The bean community is still trying to resolve, you know, uh, trying to, come back from this. I don't know if they'll be successful or or not. Mm -hmm. Certainly some of the other stablecoins that have just evaporated, never came back, like empty set dollar basis cash. They're all in the dustbin of history. So Mm -hmm. we'll have to see. Reminding you that these Algo stablecoins in particular are incredibly risky and experimental. Uh, David, we said this in the intro, North Korea was actually responsible for last month's massive sidechain Ronin theft. The FBI Mm -hmm. is now confirming this. What's the story here?
1: Yeah, um, I actually don't know how we confirmed that it was North Korea, but uh, this Lazarus group, which uh, has been associated with North Korea, is apparently no, discovered to be responsible for the, the hack. So North Korea now owns $625 million worth of ETH. Uh, I tweeted out loud during that hack, like, hey, if you steal like $600 million from an exploit, you have to pay taxes on that? And it turns <sighs> out in this case, they don't because it's North Korea. <laughs> wow. Uh, and
0: they, they're actually cycling a lot of this through Tornado Cash or some of it through Tornado Cash to try to that, try wipe the slate clean. That confuses me
1: because like, what does it matter? <laughs> they're in North Korea they're not hiding from
0: anyone then they can they then they can change it like they can cycle it into i guess another asset and sort of cash cash out because right now you know the the eth that they stole is uh is kind of blacklisted from a lot of exchanges from the rest of the world but the whole country is blacklisted ryan i don't know I, (laughs) i i don't know you know what is interesting to me and this was not quite a Okay, this is more like a um, a multi-sig attack where again someone like validators were keeping their uh, private mm-hmm. keys in the cloud, which again, like do not do this, especially if you're a bridge or a sidechain. Oh, yeah. right. so that that's the way it was hacked. but it also reminds me of like something we talked about a long time ago during the earlier days of crypto is this concept of being um, having sovereign security resistant. So like the Bitcoiner concept of one day the nation states are gonna come attack our blockchain and we have to mm-hmm. be ready for that. We have to be resilient against those forms of attack. We're not exactly sure how they will do this, but this is now kind of a nation state operative group attacking crypto assets in, after a fashion, attacking chains. So we're at that point in history where blockchains are getting attacked by nation states. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why security matters, I think, more than ever, particularly at the base layer. So
1: somewhat interesting. Security Uh, is tight. We like security.
0: This is this is cool too. Maker is integrating Starknet. What is uh, mm-hmm. what's happening here?
1: Yeah, basically they are de- they are deploying multi-collateral dai. They're deploying MakerDAO onto Starknet natively. Uh, and so that's that's the news. So congratulations to MakerDAO. 10x improvement
0: in gas costs, of course. That is the big big carrot that these mm-hmm. protocols have for moving to layer 2. Uh, David, let's talk about this in NFT news. So Punk 6529 has just released something called OM What is Mm OM?
1: Yeah, OM. I actually don't know what OM stands for. My guess was Open Metaverse, but the name actually isn't whatever that stands for, is not out, or maybe it just means OM. Uh, OM is a digital museum. Uh, and so 6529 has a fantastic NFT collection. He's a collector of collectors. And so he's building out this OM museum to display his NFTs in like some sort of like, it's also a, a digital land space. Uh, and so there is, it's kind of like, I think a, a hub and spoke model where there are actually 10 museums out there. And this is just the first one. And uh, there are going to be, I think, sales for the remaining uh, amount of land. People can come and check out all of the NFTs in the gallery, probably with some sort of like virtual reality, uh, but it's probably viewable on your computer as well. Uh, and so uh, all of his first, uh, the first district, they're calling them districts, is going to display 2000 NFTs from different collections, including uh, including uh, six, five, two, nines, as well as some others, uh, Bordea Yacht Club, CryptoPunks, all the, all the uh, art blocks. Uh, and then over time, uh, these different districts, 10 self-governing cities, he describes them, uh, will be unveiled, unveiled and slowly rolled out in what is being called the alpha mode version of this metaverse museum. This is pretty stunning. I love these Mm -hmm. visuals. This looks great. Do you think this will catch on? Do you think like the
0: future of NFT museums is not physical going to uh, a museum in person and seeing like a digital display, but actually going into the metaverse and displaying NFTs in somewhere like this?
1: I, I certainly think there's room for both, but I definitely think that the product market fit behind a digital NFT museum. I mean, it's the same thing like, so many more people see my CryptoPunk on my Twitter avatar than they would if I displayed my CryptoPunk in my apartment, although people do see that because it's in the background of my weekly roll-ups. Um, but still, see, pe- people see that on Twitter more. And so a digital metaverse, a digital museum is going to be much more accessible than a physical one.
0: Do you know, as cool as this is, David, it, it does also feel a little skeuomorphic, right? Because we're sort of mm. replicating the museum. Exp- this is the first phase of of crypto uh, display where we're sort mm-hmm. of replicating the museum experience, but putting that in the, in the digital world. And mm-hmm. I wonder how much more we'll unlock, right? It's kind of like the early early stages of the internet where we would just take a physical magazine and we just upload that basically. Right. Uh, and then we found out, no, website design is much more fluid, much more dynamic. There are way better ways to display this content than just porting the print magazine format to to the digital world. I wonder if we'll right. see that in the future as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good take. But in order to get to the internet, Ryan, you still had to start with putting a magazine on the internet.
0: You have to go through the skeuomorphic phase, no matter what. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is the model. Um, This is cool. Warner Music Group just partnered with POAP, the Mm -hmm. POAP protocol to mint shared memories as NFTs. We've talked about POAP in the past. This is now a record label partnering Mm -hmm. with POAP to do that. What do you think this means?
1: Yeah, I think they're just going to be integrate NFTs in the same way everyone else loves NFTs. And they're very, they're huge at conferences. Uh, Ryan, I saw actually out of the, the POAP team, a credit card sized Credit cards, I guess, POAP POAP RFID chips, right? And so I can hand you my credit card and you can put your phone on it and then boom, you can mint my NFT or my, my really? POAP, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So like the cool thing is instead so like I have all these stickers. I have some of them here in this bag. Like this is the, the boomer phase of, of PoApps where I've been handing out these stickers this and then there's like a, phase? Q, a QR code on the back. Yeah, and then yeah. people throw like and then they get the QR code and they can slap the sticker somewhere. But then this one is just like a card like you hold in your credit card wallet and you can just like place it under somebody's phone and then boom into po app. Uh and so uh, you know, uh, this mine is the You Met David Hoffman Po App. Uh, there is uh, with a, with um, Warner Music Group uh, the rapper Kevin Gates. Here's an example of how this is going to get used. Kevin Gates, never heard of him. Um, is slated to integrate Po Apps into his casa tour, making one available to fans who up uh, who attend his upcoming show at Red Rocks. Wow! Ampli so Theater. you go
0: to a, you go to a concert, and you get a Po App, like right, like duh, memory. that's
1: that's perfect. Like of course. I was there, I was there. Like no, no, no one. And needs you get to these hardcore that.
0: fans who I. I went to 10. I went to 20. I'm touring. I'm I'm like right. basically going right. with this band all across the country, all across mm-hmm. the world. I'm collecting right. these poaps, apps. And then maybe right. on the other side of that, now the creator has like an airdrop list. A list. You to a subscriber see who list. Yeah. I want to see who your 1,000 top fans are. Mm-hmm. Well, it's people who have the most poaps. apps. Right. And so what do you do right. with that? It's right. super cool. Totally. Yeah. It's, uh, Use, cases. Really, Use cases are really obvious. Exciting. Yeah. They, they, they sure seem to be. And yet at the same time, we do have these like top signals, maybe some mm. 2017 vibes in the NFT world. This is a an influencer shill price list. And so people aren't aware. There are a lot of NFT influencers in the space and they actually get paid to promote things. Okay. So like crazy, be aware of this. This is, um, this is for, if you want an, an NFT influencer to retweet your NFT, retweet something or do a shill tweet, uh, to their followers, this is, this is the price point for that. Um, you can get Lindsay Lohan, David. How much is Lindsay Lohan tweet going for to, sh-
1: to shill our NFT? Uh, Lindsay Lohan tweet, uh, a shill tweet is $25,000. A retweet is $20,000. And then you can get a package deal for two tweets plus one retweet for $35,000, Ryan. So something else that's going on is Compound,
0: the lending and borrowing protocol. One of the, the kickstarters of DeFi Summer and the yield farming movement they might actually ditch yield farming, no longer issue tokens f- to those supplying liquidity to the protocol. And uh, this comes, I think, on the back of a uh, down bad for comp token, right? Like it's been bleeding relative to dollars, but also bleeding relative to ETH.
1: Everything. And Well, as all a lot DeFi of pe- tokens have.
0: All DeFi tokens have, but particularly the ones that are giving a lot of generous yield to those that are farming them, those that are basically providing liquidity to them, because that acts as uh, a, a supply drain, right? So, what are yield farming farmers doing? They're taking their their tokens, they're saying thank you very much, and they're converting that to dollars or or uh, ETH or Bitcoin. They're just selling those it. Market sell. So the holders of COMP in the governance are saying, hey, this is not a sustainable strategy. Let's no mm. longer do that. And there's some yeah. governance proposals in the work to stop yield farming from the originators of the yield farming movement. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's nice to see... One, it's nice to see the comp governance actually doing something. Comp hasn't done anything in a long time. Like, compound <laughs> has just been the way that it is, which is why people appreciate it, right? Generally considered rock solid. Uh, but, like, also... You guys could have done this. You guys could have seen this coming forever ago. Like comp has been yield farmed to death for like, oh, it was, it's kickstarted DeFi summer. Uh, and now it's killing the whole, it's killing <laughs> the the thing that it started like almost two years later. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, when, when the token price is down bad, people are like, hey, let's stop issuing.
0: That's and, natural. Yeah, they should, yeah.
1: right? This is why these tokens need to be governed, and the, and the holders need
0: to be economically like incented. And they certainly are for token value appreciation. Uh, some other people, like uh, Teddy from Notional Finance, think it's a very bad idea, um, saying that what'll happen is your liquidity will dry up and your yields will dry up, and people will stop using the Compound protocol, right? Like what would happen is if you removed comp rewards, your um, your interest rates on Dai would move from two point seven percent to like, um, 0.7%, 0.72%. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, are you going to be able to sustain the liquidity after token, uh, the token rewards dry up? That's the big question.
1: Well, they should be able to, because as demand goes up, yields go up as well. And so is there enough die to borrow? It's not like compound is, uh, is an exchange that needs to have like liquid markets. It just needs to have ample supply. And if more DAI gets demanded out of the protocol, the yields do increase. Uh, So I'm not concerned about that.
0: Yeah, I do think all token communities start thinking more about their economics during the bear season, right? Certainly. Um, Ethereum is no different. Bitcoin is no different. They all do this. Um, Let's talk about this, David. So crypto, as we talked about before, is funding military defense. Look at this. Mm -hmm. This is from Ukraine. I think these are these vests
1: these are no they're ballistic they're bulletproof plates. plates yeah so they uh, slip into a vest so it's just kind of nice to see the evidence of all the the crypto donations we're 200 sets of ballistic plates of class 4 4 class bulletproof vests don't know what that means but I'm sure someone with military experience does um, but yeah crypto buying bulletproof vests cool crypto funding military defense like
0: it's kind of it's kind of cool it's also a little dystopian like, maybe yeah. I don't know the, how I feel about it, it but yeah it feels like we're uh, guys, in the 2020s we're, yeah. This is, welcome to the 2020s. This is what mm-hmm. we're doing now. Um, mm-hmm. Guys, we'll be back with the takes of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode
1: possible. All
0: right, guys, we are back with the takes of the week. This is one from Lee Jin. Why don't you read this out,
1: David? Yeah. Lee Jin, previous podcast guest about uh, the creator economy. She says, do things that make your friends and family worried about you, <laughs> which I definitely <laughs> appreciated.
0: What do you think she she means, Ryan? Uh, I think I think she's meaning like like her parents, her friends, her family are were probably saying, "Are you sure you want to like dive into crypto? Right? In, mm-hmm. Like to this degree, go all in? It seems risky." Uh, we're worried about you. Is everything okay? Um, I don't know. What, what kind of reaction did you get from your family when you told them about your crypto shenanigans?
1: Oh, yeah. I kind of added that my own t- take to, down to her take right below it. You can see it. And I go, oh. my mom, my mom about my career choices throughout 2018 to 2020. And she was like, well, he's happy. So. <laughs> that's such a mom thing to say uh, amazing yeah. what
0: does she think now though it's like 2021 oh, yeah. 2022 Wait, you know for me my family is like uh had no idea what i, I was really doing but mm. then like mark cuban came on the bankless podcast and they were like oh, oh, oh my god mark right. cuban right that was the name for them that mm. really stuck out i'm like mm-hmm. mark cuban's cool i like mark cuban but like we had vitalik on okay mm-hmm. that should be a big deal to you but no they were right. unimpressed by vitalik Really excited about Mark Cuban.
1: For my family, it was Hester Peirce. My family's like, definitely like political and engaged. My sister works in government. So having SEC commissioner Hester Peirce was like a big deal. Legitimacy. Uh, and, legitimacy, yeah. And then, and then also <laughs> Andrew Yang, because they knew I was a big Yang fan. They are like, oh, yeah, Dave, Dave's climbing all the way up there. That's pretty cool. Do you, yeah. do you think your family was always,
0: before like Hester Peirce came on the podcast, like, I don't know what David's doing. It seems a little sketchy And when, then, uh, when no, you got okay. an SEC commissioner.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely explained it to them. So like, oh, Dave's doing what he really, really likes. Uh, and, but it was just like a, a normal job back yeah. then. Uh, and now it's like, yeah, the, the, the leading podcast in the crypto industry, which is a little different of a story. <laughs>
0: well, he's happy.
1: Dave's well, he's happy. He's happy. <laughs> he's happy. Big smile on his face.
0: That's <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, Andrew Cronier, we talked about this in the beginning. Somebody who's not happy. He's not happy. <laughs> Um, basically a line from his Medium post is, Crypto culture has strangled crypto ethos. So he went through this whole blog post called The Rise and Fall of Crypto Culture. Crypto is dead, long live crypto. I think the TLDR of this post is basically, we need more regulation. I now more than ever see the need, he says, or even necessity for regulation, not as a mechanism to prevent, but as a mechanism to protect. It's like a child trying to stick their finger into the electric outlet. You stop them before they can learn why they shouldn't. One day they will understand, but not today. Andre, the father of many DeFi protocols and sort of the, I, I guess one of the, the main architects behind that like yeah. um, ship fast, break things.
1: Yeah, that's
0: mm-hmm. like his strategy, at, like I test in prod. Remember that right. was the line coming yeah. out of uh, you know 2020? And now is saying we need tighter controls, more regulation, more oversight of this industry. What do you think?
1: <laughs> this is ridiculous, dude. He was the guy that incentivized this behavior. He like <laughs> he became Andre Cronier because he gave the apes fuel. He gave the apes things to ape into, and now he's like, you know what? This industry needs less things for the apes to do. It's like, dude, you're the reason why you're making the complaints in the first place. Like, it, it reminds me of like the the quick like there there was this guy I can't remember who it was, but the bit bit license. In New York was made by like this federal regulator or something, and made the bit license, which made it very, very hard to actually like spin up a, bi- a, a Bitcoin or crypto company in New York. In New York. And yeah. you know what he did after that, Ryan? After he made that, he made the bit license. No, he started entire... consulting for how to how to get approved for the bit <laughs> license. And it's you the think same, Andre it's... wants to become a regulator? <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know. He, but first he's like, he's like, oh, dude, all of this ape culture is terrible. But he got rich off of ape culture. He got famous off of ape culture he's got like extremely well respected by his populist following because of ape culture and i was like well i don't like ape culture because it needs to be regulations they're too apey it's like dude you created this <laughs> yeah testing and pride kind of does that to you this is uh this is another take from a critic who i think shares uh some of your points you want to read this out yeah it goes A man who makes nine to ten figures building multitudes of shitcoins and projects, thanks to crypto's lack of regulation, then quits the space and now advocates for the biggest meme of all, investor protection and regulation. Welcome to the clown world. Yeah, that's a, that's and this is, seems to be consensus by people that I've that I've talked to. I uh,
0: I would like to actually talk to Andre at some point about this mm-hmm. take and uh, he, hear how he explains it. It's actually been a while right. since he's been on the podcast, but maybe we'll just mm-hmm. let this blow over for a bit yeah. and uh, see what happens. David, you had another take about mm-hmm. uh, again. This is this is sort of about MFers, which mm-hmm. I think MFers are really cool. These these NFTs. That uh, work off of the Creative common license, so anyone can create a derivative of them. Anyone mm-hmm. can essentially fork them and create their own version of those. And there was an airdrop to all mm-hmm. MF holders. On four twenty. On four twenty. All right. Mm. There's these awesome uh, crazies. They're called MFers that were just airdropped to everyone who has an NF uh, an uh, an MF NFT. MF NFT. MF-er. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like you just got it automatically. And there's mm-hmm. like psychedelic. Derivative MFs that
1: look pretty awesome. And you had a take about this. What's your take? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I said MFers are the new money printer because MFers are like the OG. Of the of the MFR ecosystem, but there's been thousands, what seems like thousands of derivatives, right? Some airdrops, some some just randomly minted, some you get to claim if you have an MFR, some are completely different. But it reminded me of like the era of um, Bitcoin fork and fair launches, where people would fork off Bitcoin uh, and then make their own like new blockchain using the Bitcoin uh, state. And if you had Bitcoin you had all of these new tokens because it was a fork off of of the Bitcoin network. So if you had Bitcoins, you had tokens on this new chain. And so Bitcoin was the the brand for Bitcoin at the time was Bitcoin gets all the upside of all these derivatives because you can always- Bitcoin Cash,
0: Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, whatever else. Right.
1: So if you sold all of your Bitcoin forks, you would just get a lot more Bitcoin, right? And so like I'm seeing the same thing play out because MFers are so easy to make derivatives of. The OG MFers are like the OG Bitcoin, right? You get all the derivatives like you just get the money printer uh and so that was my take mfers at a new money printer but for nfcs this time
0: that's cool it's openness can be a competitive advantage and a competitive mm-hmm. strategy certainly and that's mm-hmm. what uh, creative Commons license provides for uh for mfers
1: uh, also i have a lot of mfers so this is me shilling my bag here
0: <laughs> well full disclosure there then um yeah. i only have one david yeah, i you should probably have, have more but now i have some derivatives too mm-hmm. um Man, should we get into it? What are you excited about this week?
1: Well, uh, Ryan, we still have all the rest of the week for Dev Connect. Uh, so uh, today there's some parties. Tomorrow's going to be some even more parties, and then on on Sunday there's rave. So I'm si- excited to finish up Dev Connect. But th- one thing I noticed is that during uh, the Layer Two Beat, the Layer Two Amsterdam uh, 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 two day summit of sorts, uh, there was a, a you could get a very like hint of what's coming down the line during L2 season. And then we kicked off the, the first Dankrad opened up about a very well-informed talk about what is left in the L layer two ecosystem to really the boxes that need to be checked, right? Uh, very good talk to get up to speed with layer twos. And then followed by Bartek from layer two beat talking about his risk framework saying like, okay, like, we got, we have like upgradable contracts. That's something that needs to be fixed. We have centralized sequencers, like over time that needs to decentralize. And like he, in the, uh, layer 2B does a really good job of like showing all the weaknesses and all the different L2s that need to be patched. And he used the Arbitrum 12 hour sequencer downtime that happened like last September. As an example. As an example. And actually we write, reported on this, Ryan was like, oh yeah, in layer twos, if they go down, you can just exit through the Ethereum L1. You can just exit through the main chain. And yes, that is true in theory about layer twos in their very mature state, but that wasn't true, Ryan, about Arbitrum at the time. And a lot of people didn't actually know that. Uh, and so Bartek was uh, talking about the and this is what he's trying to get known by the ecosystem is there's a lot of lacking of standards and definitions uh, that we can't really talk about, like what is true and what is not true without this risk frameworks. So that's what Bartek is working on right now. Uh, but it got really spicy, Ryan, because he was talking about, yeah, like little did people know you couldn't actually have gotten that L1 transaction through. It wouldn't have worked because there's still a lot of gaps in the armor for these layer twos. But you could hear, I was sitting, the Arbitrum team and the Arbitrum, I think this was the CEO, Unconfirmed, was sitting behind me and you could hear them rumors like, wait a second, that's not true. That's not true, That that's wrong. Uh, and then basically they got really frustrated and the Arbitrum CEO, I think said, just loudly said, that's not true and made made Bartek stumble uh, and, and like got really spicy some in the room. Tension? Gigg- some tension? Some tension, some tension in the room, right? Uh, and so then I, then I went to a couple of the, after, after that talk like wrapped up, I went to a, a couple of the, the L2 teams and talked about that moment because they weren't there in the room. And then we like, well, actually, no, it actually was true. Uh, but the point is, is exactly like the reason why we can't come to consensus on what's true or not is because why we need definitions. precise definitions. Exactly, so exactly. So
0: Arbitrum is right under their definition and right. the other mm-hmm. other teams are right under their definition. But I guess the takeaway here is you're saying there's like, the kids are fighting. There's some the tension kids the kid,
1: they're, they're claiming, they're trying to claim Clamor for like legitimacy, and they're trying to clamor for just uh, like you know they're clamoring. People are, are clamoring, uh, and like we got the hints of the optimism token coming well, soon, and so that's going to yeah. kick off.
0: You know what tokens do is they just they just uh, mm-hmm. add steroids to everything you're doing. So yes. if you have a little hint of tribalism, just a little mm-hmm. hint of like mm-hmm. our layer two is better than yours, which is only natural, right? They're all competitive mm-hmm. environments. Add a token to that. Oh, yeah. and uh, your your tiny campfire becomes an inferno right and suddenly you have Big like league. tokenized communities mm-hmm. who uh just are just meme armies like shitting right. on all sorts of different communities and battles right. back and forth and we get what we already have in the alt layer mm-hmm. one world which is right. all of these communities fighting with one another and then people going shaking their heads and be like why is crypto
1: so tribal it's because <laughs> the incentives make us very tribal don't they <laughs> that's exactly right that's exactly right so like for better or for worse ryan this is coming and competition is always good for the end user so i yeah. think this is really going to accelerate the development of layer twos L222 is just around the corner, you can taste it. And Ryan, that is what I'm excited about.
0: Well, I am sort of, my position is kind of the, I want all the kids to get along and the whole mm-hmm. family to get along. I want us all to scale uh, decentralization. I want mm-hmm. us all to scale Ethereum. So I am excited about all of these various experiments. I think all, many of the, all of the layer two teams, almost mm-hmm. all of them are just legit. Like mm-hmm. passionate, doing this Big for the top. right reasons, just fantastic. But it kind of reminds me you know, we use the nation state analogy for like the united roll ups of Ethereum. is kind of mm-hmm. like the, the US and the states are the various roll ups, and Ethereum is kind of like the federal government. Uh, it's almost like California kind of wants to get in a fight with Texas a little bit <laughs> right. and take like West market Coast versus East Texas. Coast. Yeah. Yeah, It's a little like, yeah. Biggie versus Tupac. I don't know. North Mm -hmm. versus South, something like this. Uh, Florida versus Texas, Mm -hmm. California. I don't know. There's something Mm -hmm. like that. And I I think that's coming too. So we will of course have to navigate that. But uh, can I like, just, just to tie off the DevConnect conversation. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Before we do though, uh, we all know the crypto industry runs on attention and what is going to make, have more attention than a bunch of layer twos fighting with each other. Like bullish fighting bullish. question mining <laughs> but i don't want to fight all the time david oh no,
0: it's coming ryan it's coming right. buckle up guys mm-hmm. uh i i just kind of thought maybe some of the lts would just um i don't know band together
1: a common mission well, common. they are going to be bridged together by the bridges so at the end of the day we're all one big ecosystem at least we're not separate layer 1s ryan <laughs> we're all that added together that's the together. worst alignment that's the that's worst, worst alignment one. you can have yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, all right well just to, just to tie up
0: dev connect then mm-hmm. what are your big takeaways from dev connect and we, we promised a little bit of alpha through justin Drake mm-hmm.
1: conversation
0: mm-hmm. so uh, what did Drake tell you when, the, when merged David
1: yeah so don't we, give we were us getting- a date we were getting beers right and we wanted to uh, we were were asking Justin this and and we were joking about All right, we're going to put all of our empty beers in front of Justin and give him the last full beer and then we're going to take a picture of Justin and Justin says we're going to merge tomorrow (laughs) 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 we ended up not doing that obviously uh, but he said a few months Uh, and so the consensus has shifted amongst a very small set of people at this table uh, to sometime to August to October August to October is the new shelling point of time Question mark, right. um, but the the core devs were all locked in a room together, kind of like how you like got to lock all the politicians together if you needed them to come up with something. But they are yeah. making, they're doing a ton of progress. They're doing a, uh, all these ghost forks again. Th- this is not some sort of like new york mainnet consensus coindesk consensus conference shit is getting done right now at this conference and you can actually see it uh the, the bartek's talk for layer two is about here is the check boxes that the layer twos need to get done we need to work on this that Ooh, same I wanna, thing happen- i want to watch that talk yeah you, you, gotta, you gotta watch somewhere? that yes yeah. yes yeah okay. uh, i also had a fantastic talk with a lot of the core teams uh danny ryan dank rad uh, Preston Van Loon, uh, a few others uh, really good talk as well uh, I'll, I'll try and find that and link that in the show notes as well, uh, just so much information being passed around so we're all syncing our nodes about what the state of the industry is is in so we can progress forward um, again the, the vibes in the, uh, the co-working space the shelling point where everyone goes to hang out which is where I'm going next after, after this uh, are just fantastic, I'm meeting a ton of fr- uh, new people, also seeing a ton of all, all my friends, oh it's just it's just great man that's awesome.
0: How's uh mm-hmm. How's uh, Sasano doing?
1: Oh, Sasano's doing great. Uh, he yeah. he led the la- layer two panel. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, it, it, it's great to see him. Great to hang out. That's awesome, mm-hmm. man. Well, oh, very mm-hmm. cool. Yep, good yep. stuff. Progress gets made when if the ETH people all get together. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's a lot of doubters on Twitter right now saying, uh, yeah, "Yeah, you're just hedging, and uh, the merge is never going to happen, or if <laughs> okay. it does happen, it's certainly not happening in 2022." So, um, the only way you can quiet that is to actually
1: ship the thing. Do it. So Mm -hmm. I think we're getting close. Yeah, DevConnect is a yearly thing, so I'm looking forward to doing this again next year. Yeah. Ryan, what are you excited about, my man? Uh, We just bought bankless.com, all right? (laughs) Yes, we did. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) So last week, it was the
0: trademark. Uh, This week, we got bankless.com. We'd been Mm -hmm. on the hunt for this for a while. Uh, And um, you know we found the person who was selling it, did a private transaction. So that is in the process of getting transfer. That's not my story, though. Okay? Mm. Like that's what's exciting. But my story is about, like sometimes I like to torture myself. We still have to have a bank account for certain things. So Mm. when you buy a domain name, you have to like transmit funds to an escrow service, right? So it's all fiat. There's this service called escrow.com. So the only way, David, for us to get money from our fiat bank account, which again, we have to have for certain things, I can't pay for this thing with USDC or, uh, or ETH, for example, is uh, t- to use our bank account. Okay. And like a couple years ago, actually, before, you know how uh, Vitalik started Ethereum because, uh, you know, the joke is uh, his warlock and wow got nerfed. Right. Okay. I partially started the bankless newsletter because I was pissed because Bank of America shut down my bank accounts, my business bank accounts. <laughs> all right. Like, true story. It's just like mm-hmm. kicked me out. Just received a Dear John letter. Within 30 days, you and all of your assets have to go. Bye bye. See you later. Uh, And why? The reason was because I had a cryptocurrency transaction, a withdrawal from Coinbase to my Bank of America account. Coinbase. And that flagged me. Oh, it must be shady. So booting. So we've had for bankless, we've had like a credit union, which Mm -hmm. are generally more, more friendly, like the cannabis industry has experienced this. Um, Little banks instead of a big bank. Tiny yeah. banks, right? With like, they know their community managers, part of the community, and, and they don't have right. these big risk assessments. Anyway, uh, we're trying to transfer funds, wire funds. I have to show up at, at the credit union in person, present my ID. They ask me, like, what I'm doing with the funds. I'm like, just, you know, are you buying property? Yeah, after a fashion, digital property, it's a domain name. And, you know, got that process through. Anyway, what happened is uh, the wire did not get transferred that day. And apparently, this got escalated through the credit union um, because they looked up Bankless and they saw that we were a crypto podcast in the crypto industry. And there were internal meetings and it was deemed risky. And so, yeah, you're just hearing this because you've been in Amsterdam. So I had multiple conversations with like bank managers at the credit union trying to explain what we were doing. Like we're a podcast, we have a subscription service. Like <laughs> we're, we're extremely not...
1: legitimate, <laughs> and they
0: they were like, but you're issuing a token. What's your token? I'm like, oh, you're talking about an NFT. Because right. if you are a Bankless Premium member, yes, there is a Poat badge that you can get. It's an NFT. Are you familiar with what NFTs were? And the guy I was talking to is just hilarious, right? Because he was like, "Oh, I'm totally down with NFTs. I just, I love it. I just have to convince these guys, these other guys, right?" You can tell he's like this younger uh, uh-huh. bank manager, I guess, having to talk to the three to five old Older, guys right. uh-huh. in the office. And convince them that they should not kick us out of our credit union bank. They should actually process. Oh, we almost
1: got unbanked. Oh, totally, dude. They were
0: this close, right? This close to being flagged. Boomers. And so, okay, that story, right? I just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, I'm not, we're not being super persecuted, whatever. We still have crypto rails. It's just kind of an inconvenience. It's annoying. But it reflects on me that if you have money in a bank account, you don't actually own the money. Right. You want to move that money out? Imagine, because this is what really happens. You ask five guys in in suits in some office somewhere if you can move your own damn money. Please, sir, can I move my money from one place to another? Please, Mm -hmm. will you allow me to do it? No, because you're in the crypto industry. Or no, because we don't like your political perspective or whatever it is, right? Uh, so it just drives the point home that the, <laughs> this is why we need to go bankless, David. Right. Uh, right. you know, this is, we, we need the ability to exit the existing system and we need the freedom to be able to move our funds from one place to another. That is a, a civil liberty for mm-hmm. the digital era for the 21st century. And if you have your money in an account, you don't have those liberties. You don't actually own your money in a bank right. account.
1: You know what the cherry on top of that story is? That the what? escrow service that you're yeah we were sending the money for could have just been a smart contract. I know, dude. <laughs> totally, totally. Like this could have been done
0: like that. Smart contract. Right. Oh, and if it's an ENS domain, boom. Right. Both the parties deposit. Done. Probably for less money too. Yeah. I mean, like, inside the of 10 minutes,
1: one gas fee, like no five dudes in ties, you know, take time out of their day in a building, uh, and like we, in I a called physical like, building with, I uh, with talked to like free light. branch yeah.
0: members. Mm-hmm. I had to go in person, like say hello. Somebody mm-hmm. paper filled out the wire transfer information, copying it from mm-hmm. digital to it. Like, it's just so
1: inefficient. People consumed gas in their car to get to that building on that day. Like that's taking up space that could have been housing for people. Like you know you got to go bankless, right? Like people people talk about how much energy like uh, Bitcoin is consuming. What about all the unnecessary ridiculousness of the entire banking industry that could be automated? They also talk
0: about how crypto UX just sucks and has like (laughs) yeah sure parts of it, but like no that UX sucks. I just try to get money from. One uh-huh. place to another, and I can't do it without talking to like five different people, showing up in person, presenting my ID, arguing mm-hmm. my case, almost getting kicked
1: out of my bank account. That sucks. That's bad mm-hmm. UX. So there, there, was, there was one time I had to make a, a wire transfer that was like over the limit of like $15,000 or something. And I was not home, I was in San Francisco at the time and I couldn't go into a, a Wells Fargo branch. Uh, yeah. And so I called them and say, hey, can you, we just like ignore this $15,000 limit? Because I, gotta, I have to have do I had, to, it had to be done like that day basically. And they were like, uh, no, like we can't do that. Like in order to do anything above $15,000, we need to send you like a PGP key or something, like one of those little USB authenticators and i'm like okay but like i need to do this a day so it's not going to happen fast enough a pgp key they wanted to send me a pgp key so i could usb it into my computer so i could verify my identity that's just a boomer uh, hard, hard uh, hardware wallet. It's, I don't even understand how. How do they know it's you who they're sending it cause, to? Because they send it to. They would send it to my address, and then I would have it, and they could have like I don't I don't know. But it's basically a private key. They're at, they're asking me for have a, a hardware wallet, except it's a PGP key, like Google Auth in the USB. It's a hardware wallet. They just want me to have a hardware wallet. <laughs> with extra it's steps. It's the same, with extra steps, and it's that worse. That they have to and physically mailed to you. Right? Yeah. Oh, it's it's so broken, dude. It's so broken.
0: <sighs> it is broken, but, you know, you got to use the banking system every once in a while to mm-hmm. uh, to see how far we're coming and to like, it always reestablishes right. the crypto vision for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, this it. does suck. <laughs> this Don't give me this crap nowhere. and tell me, like, TradFi is fine as is. Right.
1: Dead end. Yeah, crypto UX definitely has room to improve, but at least you get to do it from the comfort of your own home. <laughs> <laughs> anyway
0: we're not kicked out of the bank account the
1: good news oh, yes. is they didn't
0: mm-hmm. kick us they finally processed the wire maybe they listened mm-hmm. to a bankless podcast in the, in the process yeah. i don't know they definitely yeah. looked us up so we still have our credit union right. so uh, you know we're on the path to going bankless but we still got that credit cool. union for now Thank you Congratulations for taking care stated. of that. Okay. We not kicked
1: out. Congratulations for, uh, for getting the, the bankless.com. Thank you for taking care of that. Also, oh, it's fine. the alpha is that the bankless.com website is coming. Um, not anytime oh, yeah. soon. Still got to build yeah. it, but yeah. Web3 Bankless on the We're way. We're doing things. Splash page soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, bad.
0: meme of the week. What's meme the, the meme week. of the Let's week? Do it. All right. I'm showing it now. Here we go. What do we got?
1: Oh, Yeah. Okay, so this is a this is a little bit of a deep cut, but for those that remember the Constitution Dow, this is a Brooke Lampy who was on team Constitution Dow when we were submitting our bids to buy the Constitution and it goes, breaking, musk retained services of Brooke Lampy from Sotheby's to lead Twitter deal. <laughs> not not much. Not like, too much of a meme, but yeah, she, she was actually taking the the calls, right?
0: And it, yeah, this was, was Constitution mm-hmm. Dow versus um, what's his name? She, Ken Griffin.
1: Yeah, she represented Constitution Dow in the auction. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and uh, Ken Griffin ended up winning. So uh mm-hmm. yeah, she, she's become a crypto meme. And yeah. um, I, have you been following the Mustang thing acquisition of Twitter? No, I haven't. More this
1: week? Yeah, a little uh, bit, but not really.
0: It's kind of fun. It's like Mm -hmm. there's poison pills and there's back and forth with Musk and what's he going to do? Anyway, it's a fun story. Guys, that's all we have time for right now. David's got to get to some things in Amsterdam. Uh, But thanks for hanging with us on the weekly roll up. As always, none of this has been financial advice. Bitcoin, ETH are risky. So are NFTs. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot.